0: Hello. If you're a regular listener, you will have noticed quite a long gap between episodes. My apologies. This was owing to my car picking a fight with a semi-trailer. The car lost, by the way. Vale Ruby. But I'm back. New year, new me and all that jazz, and I have a few more extraordinary tales up my sleeve. So welcome to Mr. Benson's Extraordinarium. My hand-eye coordination leaves a lot to be desired. When cutting firewood one day, a neighbour dropped over for a chat and in laconic Australian fashion gave me the temporary nickname Lightning. Not because I was fast, but because I didn't strike in the same place twice. But is the old saying, Lightning never strikes twice, accurate? Well, it seems in most cases it's unlikely, but certainly not impossible. Take, for example, Major Walter Somerford, who survived the First World War without so much as a bullet grazing him, only to be struck by lightning while riding his horse at the war's end. Unfortunately, the horse didn't make it, but Somerton did. He was, however, temporarily paralysed. He recovered, though, and six years later, in 1924, he was struck again while out fishing, and again he would need to be rehabilitated due to partial paralysis. Miraculously, he recovered, and as an avid outdoorsman, he enjoyed hiking, camping, and Mother Nature. But Mother Nature's feelings weren't reciprocal, and in 1930, oddly enough, six years since the last time, he was struck by lightning again, this time leaving him completely paralysed and bedridden. It was all too much this time, and despite putting up a brave fight, He passed away in 1932. The odds of being struck by lightning three times are already astronomical, but Somerton was sort of hit four times. I don't know if it counts, but his gravestone was also struck by lightning. If being struck by lightning three times, possibly four, is a statistical anomaly, then seven times must be incalculable. Well no it isn't incalculable somebody calculated it i don't know what this number is it starts with one and has 28 zeros behind it so the odds are it's one in whatever that is nonetheless it happened roy cleveland born the 7th of february 1912 worked as a park ranger in virginia and was struck by lightning seven times Firstly, in 1942, while taking refuge from a storm in a lookout tower. The tower was struck multiple times and caught fire and Sullivan ran outside to escape the flames. At this point, he was struck by lightning, burning a half-inch wide strip along his right leg and blowing a hole in his shoe. In 1969, he was hit while driving. It's unusual to be harmed in a vehicle because vehicles usually act as a kind of Faraday cage But in this instance the lightning was deflected into the open window of his truck after hitting some nearby trees. It knocked him unconscious and luckily for him the truck rolled to a stop just before going over the edge of a cliff. This time he lost his hair and eyebrows. In 1970 Sullivan was struck while standing in his front yard. In 1972, while at work in Shenandoah National Park, wouldn't you know it, he was struck again. His hair was set on fire again and had to be put out with a wet towel. By now, Sullivan was starting, as you might expect, to get a little paranoid and began stopping his vehicle and laying down on the seat if he was caught in a storm. He also began carrying water with him everywhere. In case he needed to put his hair out and it would come in quite handy because in 1973 he actually used it to put his hair out after he was struck by lightning again in this instance he saw a cloud form and jumped into his truck to drive away but claimed it seemed to follow him when he thought the coast was clear and alighted from the vehicle well I think you know what happened he did manage to get back to his truck and use the water to put his hair out. In June 1976, he saw a suspicious-looking cloud that he claimed appeared to be following him. No prizes for guessing what happened, and if you were wondering if his hair caught fire, it did. The last strike was in June 1977, and reminiscent of Walter Summerford, Sullivan was out fishing. Apart from some rather nasty burns to his chest and stomach, he also had to fight off a bear who had come to see what all the commotion was and maybe steal some of the trout he had caught. Oh, and yes, his hair was on fire again. Roy Sullivan would pass away in 1983 with no further lightning strikes in the intervening years. The man known as the human lightning rod would go down in the Guinness Book of Records as, quote, The person struck by lightning more recorded times than any other human being. Roy Sullivan was 71. What would you do if you were the Prime Minister? Or President or Prince Regent or, I don't know, if you ran a sovereign nation, how would you run it? What laws would you write? How would would you treat your subjects? Most of us will never know. You would need to overthrow another government somewhere and take over their nation and become supreme ruler and that is beset by some obstacles that I haven't really got the time to go into right now but grant me my assumption that you know it would be exceedingly difficult and let's move along with the story. It's a story about a man named Paddy Roy Bates, and how he founded the Principality of Sealand. But first, a quick history lesson. Named after their designer, Guy Maunsell, several forts and platforms known as Monsall Sea Forts were built in the North Sea during World War II. The idea was that they would provide early warning and defense against Luftwaffe bombing raids. Of the 49 forts planned, only seven were built and they were used and maintained throughout the rest of the war and beyond with permanent personnel remaining until 1956. But soon, they would find another use. A new craze would sweep Britain. Rock and roll music. The BBC frowned upon rock music and largely refused to play it and so pirate radio stations began to spring up that is, a radio station operating without a valid licence. And if by chance you have seen the 2009 film The Boat That Rocked, you may be aware that quite often pirate radio stations, with their eyes on the lucrative advertising revenue, would broadcast from boats anchored outside British territorial waters, or in the case of Radio Essex, a disused British sea fort. Radio Essex set up in one of the abandoned Mawnsill sea forts, called Knock John Tower, and was owned and operated by former British Army Major Paddy Roy Bates. But Knock John Tower was within British territorial waters, and thus violated the Wireless Telegraphy Act of 1949. So Bates moved his operation to the nearby Ruffs Tower, which was built just outside British territorial waters, or at least it was at the time. Bates would have to forcibly remove the operators of another station. Quite literally, it was an invasion. However, having secured the tower, he would never broadcast again. The newly penned Marine Broadcasting Offences Act 1967 made his station illegal, regardless of being outside British territory not the first time nor the last that the powers that be will just make up a new law to keep the money flowing their way but Bates was creative and adaptable the platform was outside British territorial waters and it was abandoned so he claimed it and declared it the principality of sea land and it wouldn't be long before there was a scuffle in 1968, a British pilotage authority ship approached to perform maintenance on a navigational buoy. Warning shots were fired from the fort by Bates' son, Michael, resulting in them being summonsed on weapons charges. The charges were dropped, however, when the court ruled that the incident took place outside British territorial waters, and this was taken by the Sealanders as de facto recognition of Sealand's sovereignty. Another incident took place in 1978 when a German businessman gathered a small group of men and invaded the platform, taking Michael Bates as a hostage. Roy Bates launched a daring counter-attack, dramatically arriving by helicopter. The counter was successful, and as the ringleader had accepted a sea-land passport, giving him dual citizenship, he was held in the brig as a traitor, only being released when Germany sent a diplomat to negotiate. This diplomatic negotiation was also taken as tacit recognition of Sealand's sovereignty. Roy Bates passed away in 2012 at the age of 91, but the royal lineage of Sealand continues with his son Michael. The Principality of Sealand issues passports, coins and stamps. It has a constitution, a national anthem, a flag a coat of arms, and its own newspaper called the Sealand News, which is published online. It even has its own international football team. Not that it is a nation renowned for sporting prowess, although in 2008, a team representing Sealand did win the World Egg Throwing Championship.